right. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 11. We're still in the Gospel of Luke, talking about discipleship. And we come to a section I'm ta- calling the danger of selfish religion. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to read through um, this passage, and then I'm going to give you the introduction. Why don't we just go around, we have a smaller group tonight, and if everybody can open their Bible to Luke 11, starting in verse 37, uh, nope, that's the wrong, yeah, that's the right one, 37 through 54, 37 through 54, so why don't we read, say, two verses apiece, Alicia, can you get us going? And then uh, after, just after Albert, Chelsea, you read a couple, and then Amanda, and then just jump over here, Jamel, and then go back, and I'll pick up a couple as well. Let's read, what did I say, two verses at a time? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Now when he had spoken, the Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him, and he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw it, he was surprised that he had not first yes, washed before the meal. And the Lord said unto him, Now do you Pharisee make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, put your inward parts full of ravening and wickedness? The fools did not, did not he that made that which is without, make that also, make that also which was in the hand? 41. Yeah. Is it on? Is it on here? 11, 41, 42. Okay, 41. But now as for what is inside, you be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Um, keep going? Yeah, one more. Well, to you Pharisees, because you <clears throat> gave God a tenth of your mint, and all other things of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to the Pharisees because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves which men walk over without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also. For you old people with burdens, hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. You don't have one. That's all right. Christine, could you pick up 47? Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them. Zeke, you want to do a couple? Yeah. 51. 51? Okay. From the blood of Abel, 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 to the blood of Zechariah, who fra- fra- presents between the ang- the Elton. Should be the altar, right? Yeah, altar. And the sanctuary. Yet I tell you, it will be request of this government. All right, let me finish out here. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. 
you yourself did not enter, and you hindered those who were entering. When he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile and to question him closely on many subjects, plotting against him to catch him in something he might say. We're going to start here thinking about this, the fear of God and the fear of man. One of the greatest dangers in being involved in a community of faith is trying to impress others with your own spiritual growth or progress. Okay, this is a wrong way of thinking. It has no place in the life of someone who's walking with God. Rather than living in the fear of God, we might fall to the temptation to live in the fear of man. That's where we're concerned about what others think and how they perceive us. In fact, praise from others might become a primary goal. One other thing here, uh, by nature we are, here's your blank, we are selfish people. By nature we're selfish people. This battle with selfishness doesn't go away just because we become Christians. We need to constantly confront and combat the sinful tendency towards living selfishly in order to truly walk with God and be a real disciple. So as we talk about this today, Jesus confronts these two groups and he's confronting them about their selfishness. And I was talking with Jermel about this before. I was like, this is a little, it tends to be a little bit negative of a, of, a, of a message, but it's not negative in the sense that it's bad. It's negative in the sense that he's, Jesus is correcting something. And we've got to identify in our own hearts where we do this sometimes in order to see Jesus' corrective and how it can impact us. So let's talk about Jesus and the self, what I'm calling the self-important Pharisees. All right, so question here right off the bat. What, it, um, <clears throat> what are some signs you might be self-important or thinking of yourself too highly? And here is what they are. The first one, let's read these few verses here. The first one is when we expect Jesus to live by our rules. Um, let me grab, anybody have another handout? I'm going to grab and see what you guys want. When we expect Jesus to live by in the blankets, our rules, you notice here what the Pharisees do. Right off the bat. Now when he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with them, and he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw it, what was the Pharisee surprised by? Yeah, he didn't wash. Now is this, what's going on here? Wasn't that, it wasn't really like to wash the germs, wasn't it? Like they needed to, something about cleanliness, like they needed to get the contamination of like... To feel clean before something like that. Sure, yeah, and, and in the translation that I have here, and I think even the one that uh, Alicia was reading, it says ceremonially wash. And the idea is that this isn't really like a cleansing where they use soap and they're actually like washing their hands in order to be clean. It's that it's not like it's not like you know, you sit down to eat and somebody's been working all day in the yard and their hands are all nasty and dirty and they start eating, and you're like, gross, you should wash. It's different. It's that Jesus didn't partake in their man-made tradition. They had this tradition of running a little water, and they do this, this washing motion, and they really weren't even washing much. It was just a ritual. Okay? And, and, and Jesus doesn't do this, and they're shocked by this. Um, why, what, what's, y'all, should, y'all probably know this. Why were they shocked? What was the ritual? Where did that come from? Where would this, where would this ritual have come from? It's a custom, right? It's a Jewish custom the Pharisees would have had. What's that? Well, yes, and what they would do is they take the Old Testament and they would make very specific applications that weren't necessarily there, right? So they had all these rules that weren't really part of the Old Testament that they put on top of the Old Testament, and that's what they're talking about, about here. Jesus wasn't abiding by their way of doing things. So my, uh, there's our verse. Uh, so here's a question. Can you, think about when, can you think about something in your past when you got frustrated with God because he didn't do what you thought he should do? Without getting too personal, 
Maybe you can give me one an example. Yeah. Um, when I had to sit out of school. Yeah. It's like, why you put me through this? Yeah, why are you putting me through this? But, I thought you were like, yeah. So, I mean, it, it was just something that I was really frustrated with. Um, what is the heart? Last, last year we talked a lot about the root and the fruit and the idea of a tree being a model for our life. And the fact that when we have these life actions, so if we have a tree again like this, and we have these things, these uh, fruits... That we identify. Here's the fruit of me being frustrated with God. And it comes from something. There's something below the surface down here that's determining my decision to think this way rather than think this way. Right? And it's producing this fruit. What is, what is this down here? What do you think is driving that kind of thought of God isn't doing what I thought he should do, therefore I am frustrated? The treasures of your heart, which are what? This is a key word right here. Frustrated. Is it a, 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 a improper view of God and working? Okay. The inability to trust that He's going to provide for you? Yeah. All those things are true. Okay. I I called it here self-importance. Putting God in a box. Too. Yeah. But, but think, yeah, you're putting God in a box. But think about this just a second. It, you get frustrated with things and with people. Like, how often do you get frustrated with your computer when it's slow? <laughs> right? Your computer's slow, and it's like, come on, work! And you pound on it. You, might, you see those, those, those uh, videos of the guy like pounding on his keyboard and hitting this computer screen and knocking it over, like rage, you know, raging on the computer? Because they're frustrated with something not working and serving them. And there's uh, this inflated view of self, this self importance that God should be doing something for me, and, he's, and he doesn't know what he's doing. Or maybe it's that God doesn't know what he's doing, and I know what I'm doing better than God does. And that's not exactly what's going on with the story of Jesus. More there, it's like, the self-righteousness and self-importance of we determine what goes on here and Jesus walks in, doesn't follow their customs and they're like, who does he think he is? <laughs> He's the son of God. Who do you think you are? <laughs> okay? So there's a self-importance there. Uh, how about answering prayers? That's kind of what you were talking about, Chelsea, with uh, the idea of missing classes. Anybody else? You, you said uh, yes. Alicia, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying. Anything else? Oh, you both talked about that? Oh, of having to sit out? I'm sure a lot of us can relate to timing. Like, we want things to happen in our time. Yeah. yeah. Like, right now, we want things. Yeah. And it's especially hard at your, at your particular age. Because a lot of things are in holding. Like, are you an adult or are you a child? Well, you're an adult because you are a fully mature man or woman. You uh, have friends. You're able to emote. And go to jail. <laughs> Yeah, on the darker side. Uh, you're able to vote. You're able to uh, do things. Uh, a lot of your friends might have jobs and actually be taking care of themselves and have an apartment. And yet, here you are in school. You're maybe dependent on your parents. Somebody else is paying your way. Or maybe you're getting in tremendous amounts of debt because you're going to school or whatever. You are stuck in limbo. And it's very uncomfortable. You want things to hurry up. But you can only push it so fast. Yeah, Albert? Um. For me, the past few years was frustrated with my job situation. 
Yeah. Moving from Greenville, could to be work for an industrial electrician to, to like to learn to grow to become a better electrician. Then after about three years, I was put to a place where I was a maintenance guy. Mm. Quit doing electrical just about altogether. But looking back now, see what God's done through that position to where I'm at now. It's just like I was for, for for a long time, I was just frustrated with like, and I, I wasted all my electrical knowledge and I'm not doing anything. Yeah. But if if you value God, if you don't have a self-important attitude instead of a God-important attitude, you can see God working in your life in situations where he's putting you on hold, where he's changing things around on you, where you're frustrated. You can say, oh, wait a second. God's doing something here. There's something more going on. So when, uh, what are some signs you might be self-important? One, if you expect Jesus to live by your rules. And two, when we focus on the outward to the neglect of the inward. Now, this one can get a little bit personal. Okay, this can get a little bit personal. Let's read um, some verses here. Who can read verses 39 through 41 for us? Okay, Chelsea. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you, you are full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones did not. <clears throat> he who made the outside made the, make the inside also. But give that which is within as charity, and then all things are plain for you. Good. Jesus rebukes them. He says, you Pharisees, clean the outside the cup and the bladder, but inside you are full of robbery and wickedness. Okay. What does cleaning the outside look like? Yeah? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, okay. They are pretending to be clean. What would it look like for you to clean the outside? What? Scrub. Scrub. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. They're physical, of course. But what about the metaphor here? The picture of cleaning the outside, but inside you're full of robbery and wickedness. Like they're saying, your your personality or your heart is, is garbage, and you're trying to put the appearance that you're clean. And... Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Um. I guess I kind of have like a personal. I guess. Sure. We won't say anything. Um, like cleaning on the outside, like on the outside, I might, you know, I come here. Not saying I'm doing all this now. I come here, I go to church, and I, I pray, but I don't consistently do things, and I uh, consistently follow what God may say in every aspect of my life. But uh, I may still do certain things with certain people, but I'm. For God, and I know what's right, but I still choose to do something different. Yeah. So, if you're claiming the outside and the inside is problems, what part are you, you more concerned about? Okay. What other people? Okay. Humans, not your friends or your family or whoever, right? Maybe not God. <laughs> if you're cleaning the outside, who are you? What does it look like? I think sometimes this looks like this. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Man, life is awesome. Man, I'm just happy, 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 happy. Good times, good times, rock and roll, having fun. Let's just go do this, that, and the other. Have a great time. You know, it's like whatever, whatever. And the next thing you know, but what's, what's really going on? You're covering something. You're covering despair, difficulty. 
Um, what else does it look like? Ghosts like going to church, being all dressed up, going to church and pretending like you got everything under control. People ask you, like they share something with you. Man, I'm really struggling with, with um, anxiety right now. And you're like, and they're, they're like expecting you to be open as well. Like you're in a, maybe you're in a small group where you share these kind of things with each other. And what your openness is, I don't pray enough. Oh yeah, right. That's your biggest problem. What well, might be your biggest problem? But there are other issues too that you're not willing to share because you know how well, that person will think about you if you say something. That that person will look down on you. Yeah. No, that's all right. Feel free to. I've done this activity before where you sit in front of someone and you say everything that you like about yourself, and then they say everything that they like about themselves, and then you turn around and you say everything you don't like about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you see, like, how it's so much easier to say the things that you don't like about yourself. But yeah. It's harder to think about your accomplishments or anything that's good. Okay. So I have a question for you. Why do you think you're so aware of the things that you're not happy with? Um, probably because they bother me the most. Right. Why? Why do you think God allows those things to bother you? Yeah. Well, wait. wait. Why do you think God? Why do you think God allows those things? I think God allows those things to bother you for a reason. So he wants to come closer to Him. He's trying to teach you something. Yeah. Okay. Help you depend on Him and learn how to really do that instead of trust this worldly view. Right. So I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the idea of of like having a complete acceptance of. Not this is what you're saying, but like some people will say, you know, I get angry and that's just who I am. Yeah. Well. It might be who you are, but God wants to change you, you know, and, and being, being honest and cleaning the inside as well is, is important. Cleaning the inside is difficult because only God sees the inside. You can put on a good show and clean the outside and nobody will know. Um, when you focus on the outward and the neglect of the inward. Um, so, again, what are you trying to impress? You're trying to impress other people. You're not trying to impress God. You're not trying to impress you're not trying to walk with God. You're trying to make other people like you. And that's very dangerous. That's exactly what these people were doing. That's why they thought that's a, that's a sign of self-importance. We must increase. We must that's exactly right. The last one here is the when might you be self-important. It's when you focus, as I said, on looking good in front of others. I want you to see this verse right here. I have it up on the screen so we can highlight some stuff. Woe to you Pharisees, you pay a tithe, that's a tenth. This is like a, an offering, okay? You pay a tithe of what? Mint, rue, and every kind of garden herb. <laughs> what in the world are you talking about? External stuff. Okay. Tithe. Yes, but what do you what are what kind of stuff are they tithing? Is it crop? Or is this? It's a garden herb. It's it's not significant. It's like so. It's the tiniest thing. It's like, here's the deal. They are paying attention to the smallest. They're like count. They, you know the, the rule was you're supposed to give a tenth of all you have to the Lord. And so they they look in their yard and they see a they see mint, literally like a wild herb in their yard. Like oh, that's a gift from God. And so they pluck it up and they divide it out and they get a tenth and they give that to the Lord. And they're so particular about all the details of everything that they miss the big picture. Okay, he, basically you could even say, for you even pay a tithe of mint, rue, and every kind of gardener. It's like, that's so particular, that's so specific, that's so ridiculous. You're doing that, but what do they miss? 
but you disregard, that's intentional, disregard what? Justice. Justice and love of God. You are so particular about all the details, crossing your T's and dotting your I's, minding your P's and Q's, and you forget the big picture. This happens to Christians too. We're like, I got to go to church, I got to read my Bible. You don't love your neighbor though. Do you love the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength? I mean, it's the big picture stuff that we miss. He said, but here's the thing. Here, these things you should have done without neglecting the others. In other words, it's not that you shouldn't tithe, not that you shouldn't obey God. It's that keep things in perspective. So that's the first part here is that they, um, they do things they know will get them praised by others while ignoring the parts no one will notice. So see this? What part will people notice? Man, did you know that Amanda, she pays a tithe even of the stuff that's in her garden? Wow. She's serious. How can you say, but how would you know if she's disregarding the love of God in her heart? You, you can't see inside her heart. God knows. What Jesus is saying is that's the most important part. So how would, why, what is the problem? They do things they know will get them praised by others while ignoring the parts they think no one will notice. Um, Jesus' instruction isn't that you shouldn't do, this is in the box, outward things. Rather, you should not neglect the inner life while pursuing outward righteousness. Jesus isn't saying, just be a Christian on the inside and never do anything righteous. He's saying, while you're doing the righteous acts, concentrate on the inward and the outside will follow. Also, they, re- they, they love recognition from other people while being inwardly dead. This is pretty harsh here. Notice this. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love what? The chief seats in the synagogue. And? Respectful greetings. Respectful greetings. What does that look like? It's not just the, yeah, it is the, it is the best seat, but it's like the seat of respect. At the front of the table, it's like you walk in and somebody will get up and give you that special seat. Uh, it's a little different in a synagogue than a church today. The respectful greetings, oh rabbi, oh teacher, oh pastor, oh doctor, whatever. People spend their whole life pursuing degrees just to be called doctor so-and-so. They love the chief seats and respectful greetings. And then how does Jesus describe them? Woe to you if you were like what? What is that? What is that picture? Pretty on the outside, empty on the inside. Okay, on the inside. that's that's part of it. You don't see the graves. Yeah, yeah. So, you ever been to a, a graveside funeral? No. Yes. Where you get, you're at the graveside and you have the little thing where it's the tent and the body's being buried. It's, it's a sober thing. And you're, but while you're going there, you're walking on the grass. And there are tombstones that mark where people are buried. And it's kind of awkward because you're walking on top of people. But you know it. You know you are because they're tombstones. What he's saying is this is like a field with unmarked graves. You have no idea that there are graves there. Underneath the ground where you are walking are bones. You're completely unaware of it. You are like concealed tombs. People who walk over them are completely unaware they, on the outside, there's nothing wrong. On the inside, completely dead. And it's like, like uh, Tyler was saying, 
Pretty on the outside, ugly on the inside. Yeah. So they do things they know will get them praise. They love recognition from other people while being inwardly dead. This is why it's such a dangerous thing, guys, to be self-important, to inflate yourself, to say, I'm the one in charge here. I'm, you know, I'm big stuff. Um, that's a really dangerous position to put yourself. Also, it seems like they're living a double life. They attempt to be appreciated by men. They focus on all the wrong things. Outwardly, they're spiritual. Inwardly, they're full of death, not life. So I have it on the thing there. The picture Jesus paints is pretty vivid. They're like graves full of bones you might walk over and never know the graves were even there. You can't see it below the surface, but, but God can. Now we have another verse here that's kind of interesting. Um, let's go back to it. I don't have it up here. Verse 41. I like, it says, but give, but give that which is within as charity, then all things are clean for you. I, I had a hard time understanding what that verse was, was saying. I have a couple. NIV, I think you have NIV, and it read really nicely. It says, uh, now... As for what is inside you, be generous to the poor. Everything else will be clean for you. Um, In the context of greed and appropriate cleansing of the inner heart is through repentance leading to generosity. The key is inward to outward. Inward first. A couple application questions. Let's, Let's get some discussion here. Are you selective with parts of the Bible, willing to submit to certain commands but not committed to obedience no matter what? you thought about this? Are you willing to accept what Jesus has said without reservation? Like, like when you go to a message, I used to do this. I'd barter with God. I'd be like, well, depends on what the message is going to be about. You know, if he's preaching on this. I'm all right with being like submissive. But if he starts going, if the preacher starts talking about this stuff, which I'm kind of uncomfortable with, I'm not going, I'm not going to really submit in that area. Have you ever done that before? It's okay to say yes, because I think most of us have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we, how would you combat or change this tendency in our hearts to be kind of like selective and say, well, I'm going to, to, uh, focus on this, but not on that. I'm not going to allow God to really speak to me in this area. Well, you can do something practical. What's that? Try to do the thing you're resisting. Okay. Okay. Ease your way into obedience. Having the courage to live out the word of God. Okay. Yeah. What it might mean for you. Yeah. Yeah. What things will change. Yeah. On a very practical level, like you were saying, one of the things I've done that has, and I'm not as faithful as this as I should be, but a lot of times before I will hear something preached or before I will study something, I will commit beforehand to obey whatever God teaches me through it. So it's already, when I go to a passage, when I'm listening to a sermon, I try this sometime. We're in church on Sunday. The preacher's getting up to preach. And maybe he starts praying at the beginning or something. You can commit to God, Lord, whatever you show me in this passage today, I promise I will obey. That is, an, that is trusting. That's, tr- that's putting it all in his hands. It's like, whatever you tell me, Lord, whatever you show me, I'm willing to obey. Um, how much do you value what others think of you? Oh, that's a harsh... That is, that is hard. When you really are honest, 
when all of us are honest about this, is that a, is that a constant concern? If it is, what do you think you should do to abor- about this? Can you think of any verses you might be able to memorize or meditate on that can address your problem? Yeah? I have kind of a connection to this. I'm in my internship right now, and it's all about evaluations. Like, oh. yes, it's evaluations every quarter. Oh. Like self-evaluations, or they're evaluating you? They're evaluating us, and it's like yeah. different people, and some are unannounced. So you really have to be ready. And at the beginning of the year, my mindset was, I need to do what I can do to please these people mm. and help them see that this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, teaching is where I'm supposed to be. I know it. I feel like yep. And my mindset has completely changed to... I'm going to do what I know, and God's got it set up for me, and he, He's going to prepare me and provide for me to be able to do what I need to do and for them to see what they need to see. Um, so that's, that's, there's a lot of trust in there, isn't there? Yeah, and it's been really hard. <laughs> yeah. It is hard. And it's something that seems so, like, little. I... I don't know if, like, for my internship, it's such a huge deal. Yeah. But in my faith, I feel like, well, duh, that should have been, like, an instinct <laughs> on evaluation one. Like, why are you worrying about this? You know? Um, I, I, I say this sometimes. When I used to teach high school students, I, I would talk to them about this a lot because high schoolers are the worst about this. They walk in, you can see in their eyes. They walk into Sunday school, they walk into youth group, they walk into church, and they, they, do, they do this. They look around to see what everybody else is wearing, make sure they're not overdressed, underdressed, make sure they have the coolest new thing going on. And they're thinking about what everybody else is thinking about them. But there are other people who are not thinking about them. They're thinking about what other people are thinking about them. <laughs> everybody's thinking about what everybody else is thinking about them. And nobody's thinking about anybody else but themselves. And what everybody else is thinking about them. Can you follow that? That, that, is, that is high school drama in a nutshell. Now, I know you're in college or older. And, and some of y'all feel like in some of your relationships, would you just grow up and be older than high school, please? Right? You know, people like that. But uh, sometimes we fall into the same trap. We, we look around and we're like, I wonder what they think about me. I wonder if they like me. I wonder if I am cool enough to be in this group what if, I, what if I'm not what if the reason that they stopped talking was because I walked up what if what if I'm, I don't get the jokes we all have those insecurities and so what we do is we might try to value what other people think about this over what God is concerned about there's a couple of verses if you want to write these down um, one is Galatians 1.10 and another one is um, 1 Thessalonians um, two four. I'm going to read these to you. You can turn there if you want. Galatians one ten, and Paul is speaking about preaching the true gospel and not being affected by other people. He says, "Now, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. If your main goal is to please other people, you're not going to be a servant of God." 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. And I have another one here. Um, oh, wait, I have one more. 
thing. All these things, all these sins, can be boiled down to selfishness from the passage about what is a solution from this passage. Uh, what in the world am I saying here? From the passage above, what is the solution to living a selfish life? Well, the solution we found in Romans twelve three. Through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each the measure of faith. We've got to think with a sound judgment, with sound mind. Um, self-importance. It's a big issue. It's a big problem for a lot of us. Um, we don't have a lot of time, but I want to quickly breeze through the second section, and I'm just going to let you study this on your own some more, because I want to at least cover this. Uh, Jesus then talks to some self-deluded lawyers. Um, they were weighed down, they weighed down the consciences of the people. You'll notice that they asked him, uh, hey, teacher, when you say this, you insult us too. And he says, yeah, woe to you lawyers as well. You weigh down men with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your little fingers. The idea here is that they put all these burdens on people. They tell them they have to do this and do that, and they themselves aren't doing it. This is a hypocrite in the biggest sense of the word. They are self-deluded. They weigh down the consciences of their people. This would be like me sitting up here saying, God wants you to read your Bible, and then me never reading my Bible. God says you must read your Bible. You'll never be blessed. Me, me going home and not caring. It's like all, completely consumed with what other people think versus what's truly about uh, what God says. The lawyers weigh down their consciences of the people. They, they reinterpret their own history. I'm not going to get into a lot of this, but basically they, um, they, they honor the prophets now because it's popular. But back then they would not have honored the prophets. In fact, their, their people killed the prophets. So they, they go on whatever side is, is winning instead of standing by principle and truth. And they reinterpret their history. We'll talk about that more at a different time. But lastly, they teach, but don't personally develop their walk with God. This is harsh. In verse 52, Woe to you lawyers, for you have, no, you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you hindered those who are entering. <laughs> so take, what does that mean? That's referring to uh, them being obstruction, obstructing knowledge, obstructing the truth from people. So they're making the Bible too hard to understand. They're making it too complicated. They're taking away the key. They were, they're telling people, you can't know. This is, this is very typical of the church, people in the church saying, oh, you, you can't possibly know what God's word is saying. You have to trust me for the interpretation. They're taking away the key of knowledge. But these people didn't even themselves enter. They don't even know the truth. And if anybody wanted to know the truth, no, you can't do that. You can't go there. These people were obstructionists and they were mean and they were bad in the way they did this. These lawyers were people who knew the law. They were versed in the law. They were teachers of the law. And Jesus is, is blasting them for how they did this. They did not personally develop their walk with God at all. They prevented those who were trying to enter. Lastly, I know I'm, going, know I'm over, but I'll try to wrap this up. My question for you is, how will you respond? Verse 53 says this. When he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees, that's the, that's the lawyers, began to do what? How do they respond to Jesus? Yeah. Very awesome. Angry. Question him closely. So after all this discussion, after all of this kind of examining my question to you to examine your heart, to, to really think about what's going on in your heart, to be a little bit confrontational, a little bit negative, 
is what is your response going to be? Are you going to be hostile with Jesus? Or are you going to be like, well, that's not for me. I don't want to deal with this. That's not me. Or are you willing to be like David who was rebuked by God? When Nathan the prophet went to David and rebuked him for his sin, David wrote Psalm 51. At the end of Psalm 51, towards the end, he says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Remember, he murdered a man. Then the tongue, my tongue, will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise, for you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with the burnt offering. What does God really care about? The sacrifices of God, the sacrifices to God are what? Broken spirit, a broken spirit, and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So if you look at this and you say, wow, I've really messed up in this area. I'm thinking way too much about other people. I'm thinking about the outside versus the inside. I'm not really being as good as I should be in these areas. You can be angry with God, or you can say, Lord, heal me. Break my spirit wide open. I am yours to mold. I'm yours to make however you want me to be. God delights in a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Someone who is humble, repentant, willing to change, not stubborn, not self-important, not self-deluded. The opposite of what these Pharisees were. The key to all of this is in Luke 11.40. Because the key, uh, the dangers of selfish. Selfish religion is a religion practiced for the express purpose of making yourself feel better or gaining a good reputation with other people. That's selfish religion. Selfish religion. If you follow this kind of religious practice, you will face judgment from God. This is not true religion. The key is in Luke 11.40, because it says there, You foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Jesus turns the attention back to God. He says, this isn't about a rule book. This isn't about a sport where you gain points for being obedient. It's about a relationship with a person. And if you don't walk with God, none of this matters. So walk with God. Honor God with all your being. Does that kind of make sense? Sorry, I went a little bit over. I hope this is encouraging to you tonight. I hope you aren't don't go away discouraged, but encouraged that God loves you. He wants you to change, and he wants to give you the power to do so. And I hope that you don't have to live in crippling fear, but you can live with confidence knowing that God has a plan for you. Lord, thank you for this time we've been able to spend together tonight. I pray you to encourage everybody, as a lot of people have studying to do. Help them to have a lot, get, a, get a lot accomplished this evening. And Lord, help us to live as we should, live um, serving you and loving you, submissive to you, trusting you, understanding that we should not be self-important or self-deluded like these Pharisees and lawyers were, but we should be submissive to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys and girls. Hope you'll have a great night. Stick around as long as you want.